0: what is up everybody welcome to the couple on fire podcast on tonight's episode we're going to talk about the divorce effect which is impact and prevention Mm. and when's that coming up right now Thank you so much for joining us on the Couple on Fire podcast. This podcast is for couples, for marriages, and for families within the Christian community. We exist to help break the stigma that happens within the Christian community. We're talking about divorce, we're talking about addiction, and we're talking about so much more. We believe that all this is possible in this life, strictly based on the power of Jesus Christ and his ability to restore us fully. Let's dive in. What is up? What is up? What is up? Happy Tuesday, everybody! Pray that everybody's having a wonderful week so far. You had a great weekend. My wife thinks it's snowing, even though it's what the end of July.
1: Babe, it is cold in here. It's it not cold our in our house. I had to put my winter jacket on to come into this room because it is freezing it's in here. Seventy degrees to have in our a house. Blanket on my lap.
0: Who, okay, so put boring. put down in the comments if you have your house colder than seventy in the summer. Okay, at 70 or colder. We normally have it at like 69, but it's at 70 degrees right now. I'm just curious to hear this. Or it doesn't if feel 70
1: cold. in here. It feels like 65 or sixty. Right, so we
0: should be able to have it lower then. If it's just going to be cold, you're going to feel cold anyway. Like it's, it's, We no, should have it comfortable. Because I'm
1: going to be like uh, Kate Winslet in Titanic. Like, I won't let go, Jack. I won't let go. Like,
0: <laughs> and you live anyway, so <laughs> there you go. So anyway, okay, so that's half There's the not battle. enough room on this door. Okay. <laughs> right? Our Frenchie would make it. <laughs> I've seen those memes where they've done that. Yeah, the memes on there. So, what you got going on, beautiful? What's happening? What's new? Nothing. Nothing new. Nothing really. No,
1: I don't think so. Got nothing
0: on your mind?
1: Am I supposed to? I don't know. I just want to make sure. I
0: don't know. 77 during the day, 75 at night.
1: Mike, that is what I'm talking about. Don't
0: sweat, man. Yeah. No, that is horrific. (laughs) 77 during the day. Yeah,
1: you guys were probably freezing then when you were up here staying with us. <laughs> <laughs> They're downstairs with um, voodoo dolls. And <laughs> right? Make sure it was John.
0: Oh, man, my <laughs> word. Again, we're 77 during the day. 75 at night? Yeah. Dude, I, <laughs> there's no way. I'd have to sleep in the freezer. <laughs> it just wouldn't happen. There's no way. That's crazy to me. Who else? Also, 77 during the day? Yeah. What? Where do you people live? Like, no way. I'm having I'm having anxiety listening to watch, reading this right now. Like, no way. Somebody said during the day, man, you know, it's only like another $9 a month to be comfortable. Like you can, it's not that much more expensive to put your air at what it should be. So that's bananas no, to me. Go- no, it's good. That's bananas to me. All right. So let's dive into this fun topic, right? So, if you guys know us or don't know us, we'll let you know. Christy and I have been married before. We are uh, in our second marriage right now. We've been divorced. Both of us have been divorced. And so, that's been a real hot topic for us the last few years, you know, talking about divorce, talking about all the ramifications of divorce, talking about a lot of blended family issues that come from that. And, uh, you know, we've been able to really find a lot of success in our marriage, but you know, there is a divorce effect, you know, that's the name of this, uh, this episode is a divorce effect. You know, there's some impact, but there's also some prevention. So we would just really like to talk a little bit about that today. Yes. Anything leading into it?
1: Well, uh, I think it's important. So Josh and I do, you know, we coach marriages, uh, primarily the one, the marriages that have reached out to us that we have been coaching are blended family marriages, but Josh and I, the Blended marriage, the divorce rate is even higher than a first marriage divorce rate. First marriage is like 50%. Second marriage, if there's kids involved, it's like 70%. So our goal is to, yes, help blended marriages stay together because the divorce rate's even higher. But nuclear marriages, that's why this is so important, is because Josh and I, like he said, we've both been divorced and we don't promote divorce. It's, it's something that we want to educate, help educate some of our young people, mm-hmm. our children, our own children, like at 21, 22, 23 years old, don't feel like you have to get married because you it's a, it is a commitment, you know, and it is sent, um, made before God and you have to be in it for the long haul, not for when times get, yeah. you know, just when times are easy. So,
0: yeah. And I think it is important, you know, I know we're going to dive into it. We have a few points you really want to make around you know, divorce and it's, you know, the the importance of it, um, you know, of avoiding it, prevention, things of that nature, an impact that it has on us. But I do think like as Christians, at times we can do our children a disservice. You know, I really believe this about, you know, encouraging them right when they turn 18 to hurry up and get married because we want to avoid some other acts of sins that, you know, kids are going to get into instead of really encouraging our kids to make sure like, hey, look, you know, you're, your body is sacred, you know? So, you know, withholding from having sex outside of marriage should be something that's really heavily talked about a lot. So kids aren't acting on those things and making sure that you get into the right relationship for the right reasons, you know? And so, I mean, that could be a whole other episode all on its own, but...
1: Yeah. My little sister is um one of the most amazing people when it came to that. Like she really, uh her and I were both molested growing up and I went into the opposite direction as her. Like I went... Into uh, alcohol and just living my life wrong. And she really leaned into God at a very early age and mm-hmm. really saved herself for marriage. Didn't feel pressured to get married. And it was really, that's a very, very hard thing to do. So I'm super, she should talk about it more often with people. Yeah, because that's amazing. That is an amazing, amazing mm-hmm. thing in this day and age to do. And uh, in how she got through that with God and things like that. So yeah. How old was um, she when sh- she got married? We should have had her on the podcast.
0: We should have her on if she'd be willing. But how old was she when she got married? Do you remember?
1: You and I, I had just gotten sober. So what year did I get sober? You were 12, so, 12, 12 years, years ago. Sober. Yeah, so you're so 12 years. 2011 or 2012? 2011? Mm-hmm. 2011. Yep. And how old was I in 2011?
0: Well, 12 years ago, you were 32.
1: So I was 32 so, so that been, means she was 26
0: 26 yeah 26 years old 26 years old we, you know and i think that's an important thing like you know as we talk about you know divorce and things is we want to make sure that we're helping our children right even beside ourselves we want to help our children set up to win at marriage you know what are we telling them you know and rushing out and just you know getting married to the person so you know they can start a life together isn't always the greatest advice and know?
1: part of this though part of teaching Even young people, even if they're not our children, like if we have friends that are younger and stuff like this, is to talk to them about the sanctity of
0: marriage. Which is what we're going to get into our first point. Oh, I thought you said that already. Boom. First point. (laughs) I thought he said that. So the first point, right? So what about the sanctity of marriage, right? Let's talk about the sanctity of marriage. You pulled something up online I think you should read that I thought was super powerful. That you thought was super powerful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's right. I thought it was super powerful. You look like a deer in
0: headlights here for a second. Did you forget?
1: Well, I was going to read this. Oh, talk, talk about the significance of marriage and Christianity and why it's considered a union, you know, a sacred union under God. And I did find this, um little quote that said when marriage vows become secularized as they have in many cases cases when God is not included in the marriage covenant and in its purpose then marriage is no longer sacred it mm. becomes a vehicle with which to measure personal happiness and if and when this happiness disappears in the face of difficulty it is not surprising that many marriages end mm. and that's what's so important about marriage and getting married no one really talked to me about the importance of like the sanctity of it like how important it is like I grew up in in the Christian community and I knew that divorce was like a sin the unforgivable sin you couldn't be a deacon or a leader in the church if you've been divorced you're tainted forever you know all of those things but no one really sat down with me or any of the kids I don't think at our church and talked about why it's so the covenant, how important it is to really make sure you're making the right decision. And then when I got married at 21, you know, my mom was on her second marriage. She had been married to him for 20 something years, but you know, he was abusive that she stayed in the relationship, not to her, but to me. And she stayed in the marriage. And then, um, the thing that His dad is the one that molested me, so my step-grandpa, and the way that that was allowed. So I didn't see a good marriage from them. And then my dad was married five times Mm. by the time I was 21. He was on his fifth marriage. And so I never saw what a good marriage was. Nobody ever talked to me about the importance of this. And I think, and I really wasn't living out my Christian faith at 21 years old. I, Like I said earlier, I really went away from God and was really living my life um, not in alignment with what God's purpose of my life is. So I really entered into that marriage with ignorance, I would say. Just like, I'm young. This is the next step that I'm supposed to do yep. is I'm supposed to just get married. Yep. Um, some guy proposed to me. I don't want to hurt his feelings. I'm a codependent. You know, like he already proposed like and then when the marriage was really, really leading up, it was like we already sent out the invitations like everything's already done. I would feel awful to cancel. It'd be embarrassing, like all of these things. And it's just like, I'll just make it work. And you don't really think about forever. Like, okay, you're just going to make it work forever. Like you're just going to. You don't even know what make it work means. White knuckle it forever, you know, type of thing. So it really, really is. um Important that we're talking to people. And then if we are already married, whether it's your second, third, fourth, fifth, or your first. Um, and your marriage is floundering, it's good to come back to really what the sanctity of marriage is, putting God at the center of mm-hmm. it, and how can we keep him at the center of it to, to make it stronger?
0: Yeah, instead of trying to get just like the look of what good marriage is, or yeah. just what we, you know, what the world tells us we're supposed to right. be, right? You're supposed to be 22 years old and pregnant and on your way to having a family <laughs> and and all these things, right? And But we can... We get to choose that. Like we get to choose what we want when it comes to that. Like your sister waited until she was 26, you know, and you're right. We're very immature. And if we're not, if our parents or our community isn't doing a good job leading us in this type of the sanctity of marriage about how important it is to have a holy, you know, God honoring marriage, what that means, even what that looked like, you know, a lot of times we're too immature to even understand what that The importance of it right right we just want to know that we want to have 500 people at a wedding you know like that's something that was important or you know how many people are we going to have stand up at our wedding and i can't wait to get you know dressed up like a barbie doll on my wedding day and all these things that just are so next to nothing to importance of the sanctity of actual marriage Mm -hmm. and how can we consider ourselves to be a person that cares deeply about the marriage if we don't understand the value of marriage it's hard to hold on to that which leads to divorce. I mean, 50% and those numbers are climbing. I mean, it's mm. it's the problem isn't getting any better. We're just getting worse at having good conversations about it.
1: Well, and I want to be clear too. The, the divorce rate is 50% not for the unsaved. The divorce rate is 50%. Yeah.
0: That's including Christians. Yeah, that's for everybody. So
1: that means we're not doing a good job in the Christian community about helping the people that are getting married yeah. to understand what, how important it is. Yeah. I just think it's a huge area overall like to take i mean you don't you take this six week a lot of people don't take marriage courses before you get married but a lot of places are like oh you have to counsel with me for six weeks before you're married that doesn't that doesn't do it justice it's not really teaching by then the proposals already happened they're already engaged it's the the train's going down the track yeah regardless
0: things are yeah. going to change because of those six weeks Of yeah we
1: need to do a better job leading up you know with our kids growing up yeah. and all of that with teaching them we do. How important God would want you, you know, you've been praying over your spouse as parents, we've been praying over our kids as spouses before we've even known who they are Mm -hmm. leading up to it because that's how important it is. And uh, I just think we've lost that we've lost it in the Christian community, in the secular world, in wherever it's, it's. It's gone.
0: Yeah. I have a friend of ours that went to a wedding uh, not too long ago and they came back and they were like, I'm like, how was the wedding? And they're like, it's the most incredible thing I've ever been part of. And I said, well, tell me more. I want to know what's going on. They said, well, the, the, the boy, the young man and the, the, the girl got up to get married and the dad uh, of the boy decided to get up and he wanted to read something. Well, he got up without the son, even knowing this, he had been keeping a journal before he was born and putting entries into this journal for the day that he got married to the girl that he got married to. And he read some of these passages that he had for his son after all these years. And I'm like, man, we, I'm not, I'm not even close to the bar. Like, there's a bar been set by this guy about how much he cares about the sanctity of marriage when it comes to his son and praying and, and pouring into his kid and his intentionality in that. And I'm like, if we could even live in a fraction of that, you know, that's what means about trying to help our children understand the importance of marriage, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's being intentional. I mean, I got goosebumps even repeating it, but when they were telling me this is what happened, I'm like, man, we really stink. Like I suck. Like what the heck, you know? I don't think I've ever written anything in a journal for my kid, <laughs> ever. So anyway, the sanctity of marriage, right? So Genesis 2.24 I tells us—
1: for your kids, so don't worry about
0: it. Oh, okay, good. She's ready. Yeah. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And we have to remember, it is God's plan for us to be married and be one, and uh, the sanctification of that is super important.
1: Yeah, and then when you're getting married for the second time, if you have kids, like, your spouse is supposed to become, come before your kids. It is, and that's hard. <laughs> if you're getting married for the first time, and your spouse is supposed to come before your mother. You know, like, it's yeah. these are the types of things, like, you are supposed to lead them. It's biblical, mm-hmm. and that's supposed to be, you're supposed to be raising your children to leave the home. It's just going to be you and your spouse. Like, all these conversations need to be had, especially going into a second marriage. Like, and it's a, shocking to us Um, When we talked about it, like a lot, how much stuff is not talked about. You think you learned your lesson. You think you're getting with this new partner and it's like, we didn't have any of these conversations.
0: (laughs) So a lot of assumptions
1: happening. A lot of assumptions happening.
0: You know? Yeah. Okay. So number two, number two, right? What about the impact on you as an individual? About divorce? Yeah. How does it, how did it impact you? How does it impact you?
1: it still impacts me. So it, I mean, if we're being honest, if Josh and I, and that's the whole point that we do this podcast is we want to be honest about some of the struggles that in blended families. But the reason is a lot of it is divorce. It's not, you know, some unfortunately they widowed their spouses passed away, but a lot of it is from divorce and it's still, I still grieve occasionally or it's something that I work through with God with like, I'm so sorry that I had gotten a divorce to begin with. You know, I feel I, I grieve for my kids. I grieve that, um, the man that they've spent the majority of their time with has not been their biological dad. And you know, that it, that's an impact on a parent, you know, don't jump ahead. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just talking about like me, how Mm. it affected me. I'm a mom. I was a wife. You know, and it's like I made the decision to get a divorce because him and I were like oil and water. But I have had to grieve like I shouldn't have gotten married to begin with. You know, I, I made the wrong decisions. No one was guiding me, which I'm not using that as an excuse. I really didn't sit down and and think about and and fathom the decision that I was about to make. Yeah. And then after being married, you know, I was married for 10 years previously and uh, making the decision to get a divorce and moving forward with that decision, that is, that's something that I have struggled with, like a guilt that I've had to bear. Not that I made the wrong decision, but the fact that I'm the one that had to make the decision. I'm the one that had to bear. It's kind of like when me, I came forward about um, my sister and I being molested. I'm the one that had to out the family's secret and bear the weight of Mm -hmm. being the one that the family kind of made an outcast. Everyone talked about, had opinions about all this stuff. It's no different when you're the one that decides to get the divorce, right? You're the one that, um, everyone's talking about. I'm splitting up the family. I'm doing all of these things. So, uh, the impact that it's had on me has been huge talking about going into holidays and birthdays and having to share and, and Thinking, like, what if him and I, we, we had talked about it. Like, what if we want to move? We couldn't because we couldn't move, like, more than 30 miles outside of the radius of our exes. You know, it's just there's there's lots of grief that comes. There is. And and guilt, I should say.
0: There is, and and going to church, I mean, I'm on staff at a church, you know, being part of the body of Christ, you know, saying like, hey, you know what, I want to teach marriage classes, you know, it's like, okay, wait a minute, you know, like, "Eh, you've been divorced, you know, like, I'm not saying that is the attitude, but there is weight that's that's given in that area, like, we probably should think twice about this, you know. Uh, you know, if you want to get up and talk about, you know, marriage and stuff, it's like, yeah, you've been divorced before and we don't want, you know, divorce being supported and so on and so forth. So the the, the waters get super muddy in that. And I have to carry the weight of that. My wife has to carry the weight of that. You know, it's not like people talk about like, oh, I'm going to get divorced. Let's have a party because I'm getting divorced. People aren't truly happy that they have to get divorced. Nobody's like, yes, I am a divorced person. You know, I've been divorced nine times. I'm so happy about it. Nobody is cele- truly celebrating those things. Because you're always a divorced person, even if you get remarried. I'm still been I've still been divorced. You know, um, I'm also recovering alcoholic, but I don't go around telling people I'm an alcoholic, right? I am somebody that just doesn't drink anymore. That's the problem that I used to have. I don't have that problem anymore. And divorce just isn't felt the same or treated the same. You don't wear it the same when. People say you feel like you have like this large red D for divorce on your chest at all times. You truly feel like you're wearing that. Whether people are looking at you like that or not, you still feel the weight of it. And that is how it impacts you on a daily basis at times. I mean, I can't go and say that I've been able to spend my whole life with this wonderful woman. I can't say that. I want to be able to say that, but I can't.
1: I want to say that we, our kids, you know, are we've ours. Had, yeah, we've together. had children
0: together and these right. are our kids. And, you know, and, and but it's just, that's not the case. I mean, the impact is great mm-hmm. and it doesn't stop impacting us. No. It continues to Well, and to it's us.
1: the thing that it also impacts is the fact that whether we, maybe we don't feel self-conscious about it, but in sometimes in the community that you're in, they make you feel self-conscious about it, even by the little things like, Oh, you want to teach a marriage class? Well, if you teach it, it may be considered that we're promoting divorce, yeah. you know, because you've been divorced. And it's like, we have an amazing marriage. We put a lot of work into our marriage. We have made a lot of sacrifices individually. We've made a lot of compromises individually. We have done, we have had hard, hard conversations. We continue to have the hard conversations. We're completely transparent, vulnerable with each other, with everything everything and that is hard, hard work. These are things that we didn't do in our first marriage. And now we have such an amazing marriage that we put such hard work into. We do feel sometimes like we're not allowed to talk about how amazing our marriage is because, oh my gosh, if someone else is struggling with their first marriage, that might be telling them that they can get a divorce and they can be so happy in their second. And that's not what we're saying. We're saying that all of this should have been done in our first marriages. like All of these things every marriage should do. If you're in your sixth Marriage. This is where you have to start doing it, yeah. and yeah. you can get made to feel that way. It's no different than someone maybe that has an amazing life. Maybe they're super happy. They're always bebopping around, and everybody's looking at them like, "Oh my gosh, they're so happy. Their life is not hard at all." Which you don't know everybody's story, right. but. It's like some people dim their shine because they're scared of the way that it's going to make other people feel. It's going to make other people feel worse. It's no different with great marriages because I can tell you this. I have never met another couple that has a better marriage than us. And that's sad to me. And sometimes I do feel like I have to dumb down or dim down how amazing our marriage is because I don't want to make other people feel worse about it. And that's partly codependency. Right. But it's also because I do feel like the Christian community is more like, well, we don't want to promote that. It's okay to get a divorce. It's not promoting that. It's no different than us having celebrate recovery in our church and promoting that we should be celebrating recovery. We should be celebrating amazing marriages, no matter if it's the second, the third. It's like we got it right this time. We put God at the center of it. And that's what we should be celebrating. The marriages where God's at the center and they're succeeding.
0: I agree. And we don't want to say like our marriage is perfect by any means, right? No, we have I'm a great it's marriage. Hard, it's hard. We put a lot of work into it. I'm sure other people have good marriages, you know. But the point is, is when we see, you can no, tell from nobody
1: pe- has good marriages.
0: You like can, them. you can tell, you can tell though, you know, how often people spend time apart and how people have separate lives, a way of living. Does that work for them? Well, I'm sure it does, right? You've, you get to a level to where you're like yeah. acceptance of, of, of uh, mediocrity, right? And, and what we're saying is, are you willing? to bear the weight of how hard it is to truly have a great marriage. Are you really willing to take the sacrifice and do those things of what God's asking us to do, you know, um, to do that. But regardless, there's an impact, there's an impact from divorce and there's going to be an impact to create a good marriage. And so you have to ask yourself, which weight are you willing to bear? And I can promise you we've done both. Okay. (laughs) We've done both. It is, so much better to, Im- to to carry the weight of impact of having a great marriage and doing the things that you need to do now to do them right, which we'll talk about at the end, instead of carrying the weight of divorce because it's ugly.
1: Yeah. And I do want, like Josh said, I do believe that there's other good marriages out there. I'm talking about in our close knit circle of family. Um, We don't, we haven't seen any, like him and I have talked about on our podcast, our parents. Um, yeah. I mean, there's lots. Yeah, there is. There's yeah. lots. that There's
0: lots. It's easy to um to see where people just get laxadaisical and they don't care, you know, or they don't want to fight the battles. Yeah. You know? Or and people you're...
1: giving marriage advice and then it's like, you have a spouse? Like I've never <laughs> seen you guys together. Like, what do you do? Like, what is qualifying yeah. you to give marriage when advice? When do you guys spend time right
0: together? <laughs> when <Yeah>. you're sleeping.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I agree. So once you read the Bible verse for this one. Malachi two sixteen. Yeah. For the man who does not love his wife, but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not
0: be faithless. That's right, Divorce is bad and it impacts whether we want it to or not. Divorce is not something supported by Christ, but it doesn't say this is a special sin and I'm not going to love you because of it.
1: And it doesn't say that this is not something that we should talk about. So yep. we, it We should be talking about divorce. We should be talking about marriages that are struggling again, whether it's first, second or third, these are conversations that we should have because the more that we suppress them and not talk about it or act like it's not happening, That it's the less, the more power that this sinful nature has or Mm. the devil has over it. So we should be talking about these things. This isn't bad to talk about. It's not bad to talk about if you're struggling. It's not bad to talk about. Josh and I have talked about arguments that we've had on here before because it's important to talk about them.
0: It's usually when she's wrong. Just saying. Number three. Woohoo. Roll it in. What about the impact on the kids? Right? Impact on the children.
1: So divorce has a huge, massive impact on the kids because all kids want their parents together. Uh, usually, no matter what age they are, they want, you know, it would have been easier for them. Um, they they don't like, if you know, if you have a child that's being honest or maybe now that they're an adult, they're going to be honest. They don't like having to go around to, um, that share a birthday or bounce around on Christmas or bounce around on these holidays and, or they want to, they get, don't get to spend as much time with another parent. So they're with one parent the majority of the time and they only see the other parent every other weekend or maybe a couple weeks in the summer. if They yep. live out of state, things like that. Kids want to have a relationship with both parents. They want their parents to get along. They don't want to feel like they're in the middle And I feel like it happens a lot with kids.
0: Yeah, and we talked about this before we even started the show today, that if you ask adults that had uh, parents get divorced when they were younger, if you ask them what's the most negative, impactful thing as a childhood, they'll tell you the divorce, hands down, was super negatively impactful on their lives. And as much as we get blindsided by saying, I need to get myself away from this other human being as an adult, like I need to get away from from this person, whoever this is, uh, we forget about, we get lose sight. We think that's going to benefit our kids because we're going to be better. Now we're going to be nicer and happier and we're going to be friendlier. But we, we, that's not how it works. You know, our kids don't see it that way, nor do they understand it that way. It impacts them. Their home is now broken. They love their dad. They love their mom. Mm -hmm. You know, even though that the mom and the dad don't love each other anymore. And now the kids automatically feel like they're in the middle, whether you feel like you're saving them from something or not, you know, it's, It's a tough thing. You know, I want to put up on the screen here, someone. Yeah,
1: I'm trying to look at. Oh, it's Carrie. Carrie. Yeah, it's Carrie. Sorry, Carrie. It's just telling us on here, Facebook users. So I had to go to our page and look up the comment.
0: I got to make it all fit here. Yeah. There we go. So it says, I fully agree. I have found that to be true in Christian culture that my second marriage, which is amazing, is almost taboo. But healthy marriage is something near and dear to my husband's heart and mine. It takes work. Carrie. You're right. And I do. Absolutely.
1: You and Rob um, have a great marriage. I see you guys as posts in our marriage group all mm-hmm. the time on Facebook, in general, on your personal pages. And I do have to say that you guys really, it, you guys really put work in. Yeah, with your, you journal together, all of that stuff. So I, I love seeing you guys as posts about your marriage and how yeah. far you've come, and the hard conversations that you're willing to have, and things like that.
0: It's important. It, yeah. But it impacts our kids. Get back to that real oh, yeah, quick. Sorry. You know, it, no, that's OK. It, it does. It it impacts our kids whether we think it does or not. And then we lose sight of, you know, oh, our kids will just adjust. They'll be fine. You know, we did that in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right. Didn't we? I mean, we get divorced. We I didn't think about what was I thought it was going to be the best thing for my children.
1: I thought it was going to be, too, because we fought like their dad and I right. fought so much that I'm like, you know, this is going to be the best thing for them. But it really isn't. You know, they they weren't in any physical harm's way Yeah, that it was going to cause damage to them either way if we stayed together or not. The one great thing about it is it has been better now is because they've got to see what a healthy marriage looks like. But recently, you know, my oldest son, uh, who's 21, him and I had went out to dinner a couple weeks ago together, just the two of us. And he was like, you know, I, I would have liked to have spent more time with my dad and I wish I would have had that and was sharing that with me. And we were talking about, um, cause there's a lot of guilt I carry about that. I was having to talk to him about Because he has a lot of bitterness towards me about the marriage. And I just said, you know, you're 21. You're old enough now for us to have like adult conversations about it. I'm like, I do want you to know that I never kept you guys from your dad. I had always told him that he could come pick you guys up whenever he wanted. We lived no ever in this entire 13 years. We've been separated no more than 15 minutes from each other. And over the past probably... Eight nine years, it's been like within five minutes of each other, and it's like I I never kept you guys. I uh, grew up that way. I grew up with you know my dad was um, an alcoholic and was abusive, and my mom kept me from him, and I was put in the middle. My dad talked bad about my mom and all of those things. And I never I knew the impact that had. And I always wanted my kids to have a relationship with their dad, especially because both of them are boys. And it's just not something that he made a priority. I didn't say that part to Garrett, but I did let him know, like, I always told him he could come get you guys whenever he wanted to.
0: But it impacted him regardless.
1: It did. It did. It it really, I'm sure, um, Graydon wants a real better relationship with his dad as well. So,
0: yeah, it impacts them whether you want it to or not. You know, it's, you're right. You could say, well, you know, that's just your dad, you know, blah, blah, blah. But regardless it impacts them. Yeah. And you don't want that to happen to your children.
1: Well, and it also impacts them. Like, because we got divorced, um, we blended, I had two kids, you had two kids, we blended mm-hmm. four kids together. So sometimes I think, would my two biological kids be closer If you didn't have any kids, right? So like, not that we don't want them to all get along. Like all of our kids are really close. They all get along really great. But my two kids in particular are not that close. They don't really spend a lot of time together. But Garrett, my oldest spends a lot of time with my stepson and my stepdaughter, Josh's kids. Graydon will love to go over and spend time with my stepdaughter, his sister, you know, and spend the night at her house and, Mm -hmm. you know, respects her and looks up to her and all this stuff. So, but my two biological kids don't seem that close. And so it's like, I wonder what that effect, you know, how that would have been if that wasn't the case.
0: I know. And it's sad because we can sit here for an hour and talk about the impact of how it affects our children. Yeah. I mean, in so many ways, I mean, switching schools, I mean, you know, switching friends, trying to, you know, find your place again, new New home, home, you know, all of these things, finding your place within the home. It's just, there's so many things of how, you know, divorce impacts children, you know, in the long run, instead of saying, you know what, maybe I need to be mature. I need to figure out this marriage. I need to stick with this and figure it out. I need to find a solution because there is one and we need to come to some common ground and we need to figure it out and make this work. Uh, You know, first off, for the sanctity of marriage, you know, and to help protect our children from, you know, what divorce does. Yeah. Yeah. All right. For our final point, number four is prevention. What about prevention? What can we do for prevention when it comes to divorce? Well, you could tie them up and
1: duct tape them and put them in the basement. Who's them? And not let them go. Oh, your sick. Yeah, your spouse. (laughs) You're like, what is it? What is that? What is that movie? Misery.
0: No, but snap some ankles, man. That sounds great. You're not going nowhere.
1: <laughs> uh, I would do it. Don't tell me. Uh, she, would. she would.
0: That's why I stay. <laughs> I like my ankles. Oh, yeah. But it is. What about the power of like forgiveness? What about, you know, true reconciliation? What about understanding the value of openness and honesty and vulnerability within your marriage and stop trying to, uh, you know, lead with our pride and our ego within everything that we have or trying to, you know, stand on all these hills and die on these hills of like weak things that don't matter, you know, right. about like, you know, About like, you know, I want to have a different house. Well, I don't want a different house. Okay, but let's fight so bad that we start hoarding money or hiding things or start doing things, you know, you shouldn't do to help, you know, put wedges within your marriage. Like it happens. Yeah. My dad has something called mad money. He always has. It's Well, he doesn't need more because he now controls the money. But back when my mom used to, quote unquote, do all the bills and all these things, my dad would have something called mad money. And he would take skim money off of every paycheck that my mom didn't know about. And he would hide it. And he would have this money, this mad money that he would have to go out and splurge on things that he didn't have to ask permission for. Right? And that's the truth. My mom knows about it. I mean, everybody knows about it. But it's the truth, right? So there's mad money. And that's like, that's so unhealthy. Like, fight the fight, like argue the arguments, get it out of the way and talk about these things and get to the root of whatever it is. You know, we have to come to agreements within marriage. That's the prevention. That's the true prevention.
1: Well, what Josh and I were talking about earlier is that we continue. It's not like we've had all the hard conversations and we're done and we're, you know, free sailing for the rest of the time that we're married. We've committed to continuously having the conversations, having the hard conversations, being transparent, being vulnerable and ensuring that I want him to feel secure. And that's important to me so like the codes to my phone the passwords to all my stuff if he's asking me who are you texting who are you who are you talking to on the phone just simple questions like hey who is that on the phone it's not like none of your business it's like oh i was talking to this person type of thing because it's important to me for him to feel secure in our marriage and not have to question anything or human nature it is our own insecurities, sin nature, and the devil trying to divide marriages? Because it's the only relationship on earth that is divine under God, is trying to separate us. It's, he ha, is going to have struggles sometimes that I, I don't know about. So what can we do to ensure there's going to be times in your marriage where where I don't feel like having the car hard conversation and he knows something's wrong. And he's the one that's coming up saying like, I'm not going anywhere. And we've, our relationship is better than this. And we've committed to having these hard conversations. Mm-hmm. So if you're not ready now, I want to have it tomorrow. And he's the one that's pushing it. And then there's other times where I'm the one that's pushing it. Yeah because he doesn't feel like he's like, we've had this conversation 75 times or his, my go-to is we've had this conversation so many times. I didn't want to have it again. I wanted to work on it out emotionally with myself, try to get over it and move on. And he's like, why would you do that? That's not our MO of our relationship. His go-to is, um, I just was, I get over things, you know, I get over things and you know that I can just work through it on my own and then I'm fine. I don't stay mad about things. So he just doesn't talk to me about it. And both of those are our default, I mm-hmm. think, mechanisms in, in relationship. And so now that we know that about one another, we can talk to one another about it, but it's important for you guys to be that way in your marriages and in your relationships. What's the default? Like when, if you're going to have a hard conversation is your default, like you just don't want to have it, maybe you've had it a whole bunch or is your default, like, I shouldn't be upset about this. I should be able to get over it on my own and come back with it because I know that I could be fine in a couple of days. So there's no point in going through all of it when really the hard conversations is what makes your marriage stronger. Yeah. And that's where sometimes I have to, you know, toe the weight and sometimes he does.
0: The thing is, I think that makes things really hard in marriage, and I believe this to my core, is that we get to a spot to where we feel like we should be able to do something or have something the way that we want it, mm. even if our spouse doesn't agree with that. Mm. And mm. We, will, we will, in the beginning, fight for that, and our spouse is like, no, I don't agree, and I think it's stupid or whatever reason, and then you accept it for a little while, and then it festers, and it festers, and then you start making a case for yourself and like, well, I never get what I want. I'm always giving and giving and giving and giving, and I never get what I want. So guess what? I'm going to tuck away a little bit of this, or I'm going to do a little bit of that. I'm going to feed into my, what I deserve, what I'm owed, because it's not that bad. And then that grows. And then that grows into something really ugly and bad. And that turns into lack of talking, lack of communicating, lack of intimacy, lack of closeness. And that turns into this humongous problem within your marriage that ends up connecting to so many other things.
1: Yeah. So a hard conversation that Josh and I have had years ago, we haven't had to have it recently, I think because we've learned um, some things, but Josh is a very easygoing guy. Right. So it's like him and I would start getting into arguments or debate debates years ago about what I like to call big decisions for our family like a big chunk of money that we're going to be spending or um maybe a big long-term commitment on something for one specific child on a sport mm-hmm. or things like that. And he would be fighting and fighting and fighting that fight to the death if I disagreed. And deep down, it's because he felt like I don't get anything that I want. I'm constantly giving in our relationship. But then I felt like Yeah, you are. You are always giving in and letting me choose, you know, what to watch on TV or where we're going to go out to dinner or this or that or this or that. And those are all little minuscule decisions that don't impact our family at all. But you would feel like you're not winning, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. or getting to make any decisions because you're constantly just allowing me to make those, which you know, is awesome for me. I get to pick wherever I want to eat all the time, you know, all those things. But when it comes to making a big decision, then you're really digging your heels in on something because you feel like you don't get them. Mm -hmm. So how can we make this different? Like, how can we flip this? Like, maybe we need to compromise on all these little decisions all the time. So you and I feel like more of it's compromised both ways. So then on these big decisions, it's a compromise as well. And we had to have this argument a lot of times about it because I will like, if I'm like, I just want to go out to here to dinner. he's like, okay. And I'm like, you know, we didn't think anything of it until it really started coming time for us to make some big decisions. And Josh really felt like, I feel like I never get a say in our relationship. I'm always allowing you to choose everything. And I felt differently about it. I'm like, these are like little things that don't even matter, but both are valid you know?
0: Yeah. Which is true. But the funny thing is it's like, it's, it's so funny because we can justify things so easy in our mind. Like I like giving up all those little decisions. I do. I enjoy doing that because I feel like I'm serving you, right? Uh I'm serving you. I'm like Uh catering to you, but at the same time, it's not hard for me to do. Yeah. Right. And so when it comes time for a big decision that I want, it's easy for me to say, well, I never get to make the decision. Right. It's an easy default thing. We sell ourselves on that way of thinking and believing yeah. so we can get what we want ultimately. Yeah. We really do. It's like it's it's easy to do that in marriage and to be but open. I don't and, want
1: uh, you to feel that way. And, and that's no, of the course, point.
0: No, of right? course not. Right. And that, but that's where the division comes. Right. Right. And so having open and healthy conversations about things like that yeah. is where the importance comes from. Like, Okay, do you really? Why do you feel that way? Well, don't don't you know, don't uh, don't judge me about the way that I feel about it. Well, I'm not judging you because I'm asking because I want to talk this through. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of times marriages are like we've been together for 20 years. This is the way it's always going to be, and I think that's just bullcrap. It is. It's bullcrap. Okay, then why does it have to always be this way? It doesn't have to be. Mm-mm. You're not doing the things that you need to do to, pre- you know, for prevention. You know, intimacy. If that's not a major important thing that's in within your marriage, you're not constantly working on it. Which I can tell you, I would say all marriages, just have to work on that to some degree. Like that you can't just say, Oh, well, it's just, we just don't do that anymore. Or that's just not part of who we are. Or I've tried for too long. Like, no, like these are the things you have to work hard on to make your marriage work. It's, uncomfortable for everybody it is you're it's not like you know you're in some special situation to where your marriage is unique and the struggles that you have i mean our you're pastor, gonna have them in the next one
1: our pastor gets up on stage and causes every woman in the congregation to basically be like well my husband's cheating on me because our pastor has been like if you let a man go longer than 72 hours without having sex you know it's gonna make it tougher for him to not have one. It's a great eyes. sermon. It's a great sermon. It is. But that's the only thing I remember out of it. Right. And I'm sure every other woman in the congregation is like, well, my husband's cheating or if he's not cheating physically,
0: he's cheating emotionally. I need because- to set, set the egg timer. <laughs> she said that to me before. And I'm like, well, I kind of want to still use that rule. I mean, that's a good rule to go by. Right. It's very works for the guy. Very well. well. Now
1: we kind of joke about it. Right. I'm like, yeah. You're probably cheating on me by this time, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right.
0: right. Well, we got to do it because you're going to be be cheating on me 70, any day now. Yeah, 72 <laughs> hours in, man, we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is crazy, but we have to understand like the prevention portion of it, you know, is more important than we're willing to, to put importance on it. It really is. We have to look at marriage as what it is uh, by God, and it's the most important, Christy mentioned earlier, it's the most important relationship on this planet, is our marriage. And there's a reason why. is because your happiness in your marriage leaks into everything else in your life. It leaks into the way that you treat your children. It leaks, it leaks into how you, happy you are and how content you are at work, uh, about with your church, about with your community, even with yourself. And so we have to understand that if we're really wanting to look at the divorce effect, that learn from other people's mistakes, learn from our mistakes, learn from other people that's been divorced mistakes and don't make those same mistakes. Step up and do what's important today and live your life and, and treat marriage like the sanctity it deserves. And so you don't have to live with all of these, these negative. And that's
1: why we started this podcast because we both have failed marriages. Mm -hmm. We both did it wrong. I mean, our spouses did it wrong as well, but we're not, we don't, Aren't here to talk about our spouses like we did our both of us. They to, did it
0: all wrong.
1: <laughs> but both of us also did our first marriages wrong. And yep. now we've really put effort into this and it's not perfect at all, but it's good. It's solid. We keep God at the center of it. Mm-hmm. And so we want to help other marriages stay strong. I mean, we did a podcast um a while ago now on um to go with your gut right? Is it good? Is it useful? Is it true? G U T in your marriage. So when you're sitting down and you and your spouse are having hard conversations, good doesn't mean that it's not hard. It just means, are you handling it in a positive way? Are you using it in a good way to solve your marriage? Is it useful? Are you talking about things that are actually factual and not, um, like assumptions. You're actually talking about things that are useful and saying, okay, so what can we do to fix this? What can we do to move forward? And are you talking about things that are true? Like, okay, this is something that is true. We both feel this way. We both came to the conclusion of this. So don't be like, well, so-and-so told me that their husband does this. And so I've caught you a couple times. I think that I did that. You did this. So now I'm going to assume that you're doing the same thing that this other person is doing. That's not true. Yeah. That's not using facts in your marriage. So I just think that it's important to, um, there was a book that I read recently called Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, but I like her little tagline for it. It's um, brave work, which we have to do brave work in our uh, marriages, mm-hmm. we have to have tough conversations with whole hearts. And that's what she says, doing brave work, tough conversations, whole hearts. And that's what you, marriage is all about. It's
0: good. Well, on that note, uh, leave down in the comments, your best marriage prevention or divorce prevention, your marriage tip that you have you know maybe you guys do something unique in your marriage that really makes a difference maybe you are in your second or third or fourth marriage and you found something that really has made the hugest difference within your marriage leave a tip down in the comments you know this is something that stays out in the universe you know it's out on the social media it's everywhere and people get to read these comments at some point or the other and they may not even watch the whole video but it's impactful and it can be empowering i mean the ultimate goal is married
1: for 50 years and you've made it yeah
0: what's your What's your best thing? Like Like
1: when we go to 90 year olds and mm -hmm. say, what's your, what's your, uh, secret secret to life? Like what's your, um, what is the word that they say? What's the thing that you would tell the young generation? What's some tips? Yeah. Advice that you would give your younger generation. If you're 90 Mm -hmm. years old, you've been married for 60 years. Like, what's some marriage advice that you would give to people? Yeah, good marriage advice. Yeah, good. Not
0: that he died 59 years ago. Yeah, no, that's dumb. Let's not be dumb. Don't be dumb. dumb. Yeah. So leave it below, please. Help us out. Leave it below. Let everybody know, like, hey, this is what we do as a couple that makes a difference in our marriage to help stave off divorce. So I want to thank everybody for being here so very, very much. If you haven't had a chance yet, please hit the share button and the like button, and we'll see you next Tuesday at 7. Bye. Bye.